I am excited uh, for this time to share together. And I'm excited to, to be able to share with you a story about new life that we find in Jesus. And so if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, we're going to read the first through the tenth verses. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, don't sweat it. We've got uh, the words are going to be on the screen behind me. I also want to point out at each exit, uh, there are Bibles there that you can use this morning if you'd like to. And also, if you don't have a Bible at home that you can read or understand, take one of those with you. We'd love for you to have that. That's our gift to you. So we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Uh, before we read that, though, let's pray together. God of all grace, we give you so much thanks for today. We thank you that you are alive, and we thank you for the life that we can find in you. We pray, O oh God, today that in these moments ahead, as we reflect on your word in our lives, that God, you might say something to us, that we might be listening for you, and that you might be making us more and more like you with every breath that we take. We love you, God, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Look, there was a great earthquake, for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven. Coming to the stone, he, he rolled it away and sat on it. Now his face was like lightning, and his clothes as white as snow. The guards at the tomb were so terrified of him that they shook with fear and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid. I know that you were looking for Jesus who was crucified. But he isn't here. He's been raised from the dead. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. I've given the message to you. So with great fear and excitement, they hurried away from the tomb and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them and greeted them. They came and they grabbed his feet and they worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go. And tell my brothers that I am going to Galilee. They will see me there. My brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Here's the thing that I hope you'll remember at the end of this morning's service. Resurrection isn't just an idea to believe in. It's a promise to live out. Resurrection isn't just an idea to believe in. It's a promise to live out. When I was a kid growing up, I played in rec league sports. Maybe, uh, do we have any kids that are playing in rec league right now? Or any parents of, uh, that have had kids play in rec league before? Or anybody that's ever played uh, a sport in their life? Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta get some. Alright. So, uh, I don't know if you can tell by looking at me. I'm, this is 31 year old me. Uh, earlier in life, I wasn't too dissimilar in like stature. I'm not the most athletic person that's ever existed. Uh, so oftentimes, even in rec league, which is kind of like the, uh, the kind of participatory kind of thing where everybody gets a try, all that sort of thing, I found myself spending an awful lot of time on something that looks kind of like this. Uh, does anybody know what that is? The bench! That's right. I was a bench warmer. 
Uh, I was not very good, uh, especially this is a basketball bench. Uh, I, I could tell you, we, we get to have uh, some students come to us from the juvenile detention home here at Fieldstone every week, and they go down and play in the basement. We have basketball hoops down there, and sometimes I'll try and go and play with them, and they would tell you I'm still a scrub. I'm like, <laughs> I'm older than them, I'm bigger than them, and I don't hold a candle <laughs> to them, right? I am a bench warmer through and through. You see, uh, being a bench warmer, one of the things that I learned was that Oftentimes, I wasn't going to play a lot. When I went to the game, oftentimes what I went to do was to observe, to watch what was going to happen, and then maybe every once in a while I'd get, a, I'd get to go in when you know we were either winning by 20 points or losing by 35 points or whatever, right? I'd, I'd go in at the end of the game. The problem would come if I was ever asked to, to go in the game when it actually meant something. Like if we, maybe it was a close game and somebody got injured, and all of a sudden, the team had to rely on me. I'd be like, well, uh-oh, this is, this is a problem. <laughs> Sometimes in our lives, friends, we run into circumstances and situations where, where maybe we don't feel like we're in the starting five. Maybe you and I sometimes feel as if we sit on the bench and we're observers, even of our own life, passing by before us. The thing I find in the story that we read this morning is that sometimes even the most unlikely of people are called into action. And it's not just because it's a random occurrence where, oh, all of a sudden we've just got to let this person in. It's because God, in God's own wisdom, envisions that those are the people that are going to serve. And those are the people that are going to share. In the story of the resurrection that we read from the Gospel of Matthew this morning, we run into these two women. They're, they're both named Mary. We've got Mary Magdalene, and, and the Gospel uh, does a really, really nice treatment of, of the other one. They just call her the other Mary. Uh, I love, if I'm ever, uh, Jonathan, where's, where's Jonathan? There he is. So there's another Jonathan. Are there any other Jonathans in the room this morning? Or is it just the two of us? Okay. So like, if I'm ever in a room, like at Wesley with with Jonathan Reynolds, uh, oftentimes it'll be like, oh, that's Jonathan, and I'm the other Jonathan, right? <laughs> like, uh, I'm, the, I'm the lesser Jonathan. Sometimes I, I just feel like the, the treatment of that in the Bible is a little bit funny, uh, and I wish they... Anyways, so we've got these two Marys, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And so they're expecting, when they show up to this tomb, they're expecting to find this guy named Jesus who they had followed for, their for, for a really long time, for multiple years. They're expecting to find this guy dead and buried. They're going to treat his body. Because in this time, they didn't have graves like we have. They had tombs. And so a tomb was like built into the side of a cave, and so a body would just sit there, and there was a stone in front of it, often very heavy, guards in front of it so that people wouldn't come in and steal the body or do anything to it. And so they were there to, to prepare the body to help it not to smell really bad is really what they were there to do. And they show up, and in an instance, it's as if God calls them off the bench. They may have come expecting to see something. The Bible tells us they were there to see Jesus, to see Him in the tomb, to see Him dead. And yet He's not there anymore. And so an angel comes and says this glorious news, right? They're like, Jesus is alive. Uh, he's not here anymore. And do you know what their initial reaction to that is? Anybody catch that? It's fear. It's fear. It's scary sometimes to be put into the game. 
when maybe we don't feel as if we're the ones that are best qualified to do so. The Greek word used in this text is called, it looks like this, um, which probably looks great to everybody in here. The way we would say that is phobos. Phobos means fear. It's where we get our word phobia from. What's interesting is that it's not just the two Marys that end up afraid. The guards that are at the tomb, the Bible tells us that they're afraid too. Now, here's the thing. Fear, as it's written this way, occurs a number of different times in Scripture. And there's some really, really smart people who read the Bible a lot, way more than I do, and uh, and they write about it a lot, way more than I do. And so those smart people uh, put together a book called The Strong's Concordance. And when they talk about the word phobos in the Strong's Concordance, they say oftentimes in Scripture there are two results that happen when this word is there. Either people cling more closely to God or they depart from God's presence. Cling closely or depart. The guards in the story, they, they fall out, right? They're scared. The, the way the Bible describes it is they get the shakes and then they just fall out like, they, like they're gone kind of thing. But the two Marys, even though they're afraid, they, they walk a little bit. They step out a little bit into what could be. And when they step out, Jesus himself comes to meet them. And he says, don't be afraid. What's interesting about this to me is that there's clearly a difference. There's clearly something that happens when we get scared that either causes us to cling more closely to God or to depart away from God. Do you know what I think happens? What I think maybe is the catalyst for that? It's about trust. Who do you trust? Do you trust in yourself, I think, I think the guards in the story, this is a little bit interpretive, but I think the guards likely were trying to think, okay, there's this angel showing up. We don't know where this guy came from, and we're here to protect this thing, and we've got to figure this out on our own. And they fall out. But the two Marys don't ever depart from trusting their God. Even though they're scared, even though what's ahead of them is daunting, they trust, they believe. They believe in the God that's around them, and because of the way that they believe, they show something to be true, and that's that resurrection isn't just an idea to believe in. It's a promise to live out. You see, God's constant assurance to these women and to you and to me is that when scary things happen in this life, we don't have to be afraid. To believe that no matter what happens in this life, that it doesn't happen apart from God. You see, one of the best things about this story, one of the greatest pieces of news in the resurrection story is that it reminds us that, that yes, Jesus did actually die, but that that isn't how the story stayed. That nothing, not even death, is unknown to God. And because it is known to God, we are invited to take comfort, to take heart, to take courage, and to live. Believing as we do so, we follow the legacy of these two women, the disciples and the countless throng before us who have trusted in God to be the giver of life and to be with us no matter what game we're asked to play in and no matter what stage we've been thrust upon. I'm reminded this morning of a, it was about this time 
because I was doing youth ministry full-time and working at a church, and uh, youth pastors sometimes sleep in a little bit. So I think uh, my watch got taken from me. Is it about like 11-ish, 11.15, something like that? Okay. So it was about this time that I woke up and turned on a TV 10 years ago. And already there were news reports filing in of what was happening just a couple miles from here. And I remember feeling so scared. So I had a couple dozen friends who were students at Virginia Tech, and I was really scared for their safety, really scared for what they might be going through. And that was hundreds of miles away from somebody who had no connection otherwise to this community. And so I can't imagine the kind of fear, the kind of pain, the kind of trouble, worry that would have happened maybe to some of you in this room that day. Maybe in ways that are deeper and darker than I or any of us could ever possibly know. Ten years ago today was a hard day. And there have been very hard days since. And I can't know what it would have been like to wake up that morning. What students and faculty and staff and parents and loved ones, what people would have been expecting to happen that day. But in the wake of the tragedy and the events that took place, I imagine that fear was pretty prevalent. And all I can tell you is that I wasn't a part of our community then, but I am now. For the last several years, this church, the New River Valley, has welcomed my wife and I to be a part of your community, a part of your home, and, and we're so thankful and so honored by that. And what i got to tell you is that from everything I can tell, this community has chosen not to trust in itself when it comes to matters of fear. That it's not about saying we've got to figure out all the right answers. It's not about saying that we've got to have all the solutions and that we've got to say the right thing. It's trusting in something greater than ourselves. I believe that God has shown up through the Hokie community, through the New River Valley community, and that God continues to teach us day after day that even in the wake of fear, even in the wake of death, even in the wake of the deepest and darkest of tragedies, that that is not the last word. That God does not stop showing up. That even in the midst of our own grief and our own despair, that the presence of God is with us. And that as a result, we can believe that God is alive. That God inspires people to come up with ideas like, like the big event, like the Leading Lights Awards. That God can inspire an uprosim mentality that bleeds through everything that this community is about. And that in doing so, God shows us that life springs up even 
in the darkest places. That while we miss those that were lost that day, we miss them terribly. We, we dream about the life that they could be living now. And it causes us grief and pain. That while we have that part of ourselves, we don't stay in that place. That we believe in a God who has been through death, who is there with us on April 16th, 2007, and is with us on April 16th, 2017, has been with us every day before, and will be with us every day since. Because my friends, what we believe is that resurrection isn't just an idea to believe in. It's a promise to live out. We believe that God is alive. We believe that love is real. And that because we are that kind of people, we can't sit idly by. We're called to love radically and to love all people. Because you know what happens sometimes, friends, is that people live in their own tombs. The tombs of their fear, the tombs of their pain, the tombs of their woundedness. And the message of Jesus' resurrection is that that's not where life happens. That sometimes we may have to retreat to that place. Sometimes we may have to be in a place of pause, but that we're called out. Called out of that space and into the arms of love, into the arms of Christ. And so, because we believe this, the resurrection isn't just something that we think about. It's not something that we just gather once a year to get dressed and I look goofy as heck, man. Like we get dressed in all this stuff and, and we have the flowers up front and we, we sing Christ the Lord is risen today and everybody says hallelujah. And then we go home and just do the same thing over and over again. No, that's not what we're about. We're about believing in resurrection being the thing that can change us, the thing that can bring us to life, the thing that can call us out into the world to share God's love and to shine God's light. Because as it's written in the Gospel of John, the, the light overcomes the darkness. Darkness doesn't have the last word. Fear doesn't have the last word. Grace bats last. Love is real, my friends. You all have testified to that to me. And believe me, the world has been watching. And love has been winning. And so because we believe that, and because that's God's promise to us, we're going to do something about that here at Fieldstone. I mentioned it earlier in the announcements. I'm going to tell you about it right now. Every year, we try to do something to, to get out in our community, and, and we do it in different ways. And, and so this year, what we're going to be doing next Sunday is something called Spread the Love Sunday. All it is is an effort to get out into our community and to share the good news of God's love with people who are expecting it and maybe people who aren't expecting it. You see, we might expect to come here this morning like people on the bench just waiting to watch the game, but, but God calls us to play in the game, to be in the game, to live in the game, and to love through it all. And so in just a moment, we're going to be praying. And after that, I'm going to invite you to a couple of different things. So we're going to have some different stations up here at the front. We're going to do some things next week that aren't like super churchy. We're going to give people water on the Huckleberry Trail. We're going to... Um, do some, some gardening and weeding at an elementary school here in town. We're going to do a, a spy-style project on, on folks' houses. We're going to do some thank yous to first responders. We're going to do all sorts of different things next week. And so up at the front here, these tables aren't just there for decorations. They're there because they've got little sign-ups on them. And so what I would invite you to do, I'm going to pass around in just a moment some little slips of paper that have some information 
about some of the different things that we're engaging in next week. This morning, what you might feel is a sense of like, well, I don't know. I just came to come to church. I don't know if I'm ready to plug in something like that. Hey, that's okay. But maybe you feel God tugging on you a little bit and saying that maybe maybe love really is real. Maybe there really is something that I can do. And so if you're feeling that way, I'd invite you to come up and just all you're doing today is signing up on a sheet of paper saying, hey, I'd, be, I'd like more information about what this is going to look like. Next week we're going to come together and we're going to worship and then we're going to go serve. We've got free t-shirts, which is a good thing. In the midst of all of that, the other thing I want to invite you to do in this time is uh, we got this big thing. We, we would call this, a lot of churches would call this a baptismal font. Um, I mean, it's a feeding trough that we put water in. And because we did all that, and because we pray over that water, it becomes a vehicle for baptism. I want you to know that God loves you enough to save you and to bring you to life. And so whether you write your name on a paper, whatever you do, come touch this water. And know that God is in the business of healing. That God is in the business of restoration. And God is in the business of life. And that we're invited to come to life in its fullest, fullest way. So I'm going to pray. You're going to be invited to come and to share. And then we're going to come back together and sing songs to God as we worship. So let's pray together. God of all grace, this morning we're reminded of the good news of the resurrection. That even in our places of deep fear and deep hurt and deep longing, that God, You show up. We remember today the resurrection of Jesus. That Your Son, who was once dead and buried, lives again, fully alive. And because we believe that to be true, that Christ has experienced both the fullness of death and the fullness of life, we know and we trust God that there is nothing that we could ever experience in this life that you would not know intimately. And so we pray on this day of all days, God, that your grace and your peace would dwell deeply within us. And that, God, we might discover in the midst of whatever it is that we have walked through, in the midst of wherever it is that we find ourselves, that, God, You are there. Not just a caricature of You, not just some image of You, but that, God, You're alive in those spaces. And that as You live, God, You call us to life abundance. And so we pray that we would heed your call, that we would follow where you're leading, and that we would trust in you above all else and believe in the life you give to us so graciously. We love you, God, and we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.